Peeps, you have arrived at Next Level Radio number 72. If you listen to episode number 71, I gave a brief intro on um, me coming of age and having injuries that I used to never have. And uh, we talked about the magic of PRP, the difference between PRP and stem cells and how we progress through. And then I also uh, alluded to that we would be having a special guest on the podcast and uh, very excited about this, exactly what it can transpire from here, how many people we can reach, the, uh, the influence that we can have from just a conversation is very cool. And I tell everybody that uh, it's all about a kind of just random introductions. And like with the podcast you listen to, Morgan Mayer Young, I got introduced to him, became best friends, podcast, got to hear an awesome story, and just things start transpiring. So um, today we have uh, Dr. Greg Kovacs, and um, I'm going to have you introduce yourself, and then we're going to take it from there. Very cool. Uh, thank you very much for having me, uh, first of all, and uh, I, I kind of done a lot of home uh, rehearsing, <laughs> thinking about like, oh, what am I going to say, what am I going to say? Uh, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is I grew up in a steel mill town. I grew up in a mafia town and, uh, uh, the only ticket out of that place was, uh, was playing a sport and, uh, going to college. Uh, Youngstown, Ohio was the town I grew up, uh, and as soon as, uh, I had a chance to, to get out, uh, with a football scholarship, I ended up going to Southwest Missouri state, which is now Missouri right. state. Yep. And the irony is, is that uh, Youngstown State was kind of an embarrassment. Nobody would want to go there and play. And uh, you wanted to get out and get out. And uh, Youngstown State, Missouri State, North Dakota State are all in the same conference now. Yeah. And I'm thinking that is kind of strange how life, life travels. Uh, but anyway, um, after I grew up, I went to uh, Missouri State uh uh, I started to try to get into medical school, and, and I uh, I was the kind of guy that thought that all I have to do is put a suit on and walk in and say <laughs> I played football, and uh, they're going to just snap me up, and it didn't quite work like that. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I ended up uh, trying three times before I got into medical school. Dang. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, it, that happens quite frequently, though. I mean, yeah. there's a that's a... It's a big feat. My cousin's going into being a, a lawyer right now, trying to get into that. And if you're not applying to 20 different schools, you're not doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, crazy. It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm, uh, I grew up in a family that, uh, the harder you work, uh, uh, that's a hell of a man you are, you know, yep. you could be a wife beater. You could be, a uh, a, a, a drunk, you could be a, a variety of things, but if you were a hell of a worker, you were a hell of a man. And yes, sir. So that's what I, that's what I learned how to do. I think, I think it probably was in within your family, but also that town as well too. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's bred into it. I think you're right. Yeah, right. it happens. I'm from Moreland, Wyoming, and you have the Pepsi plant, you have the crown cork and seal, which makes the cans for Pepsi. And then you have a sugar beef factory and like, you better get after it or you better get out. Right. That's the only way to yeah, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. boom, boom, Mancini. Uh, uh, there were guys like, uh, Kelly Pavlik, uh, Pavlik, uh, yeah. another, uh, uh, boxer. Colini you know? brothers. Oh gosh. Yeah. Stoops brothers, you know, uh, um, it's a big name down there. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of guys went D one and my goal was to go to Penn state, man. I was going to be, 
I was going to be a Nittany Lion. Uh, I actually went and made, uh, met uh, Joe Pa. I met, oh. uh, yeah, Jerry Sandusky of all people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a funny, not funny, yeah. but uh, I went to Utah versus BYU in 2009. I'm a Utah fan. And uh, in 2009, this was in, they still had the BCS before the playoff system. And uh, they were playing BYU. You beat BYU, you're in the national championship. So we beat BYU, but during the tailgating, I tailgated with Jared, the subway guy. Oh, that is <laughs> like, crazy. Just weird. And at that yeah. time, he's this big figurehead, just like Sandusky yeah. was, you yeah. know, like yeah. crazy, crazy stuff, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, how was your time at, uh, at that time? Were they, is it a D, D2? When I went, we were D2, and then we uh, we uh, changed right as I got there. We went D1, 1-2-A yep. is how yep. I call it still. You know, I, I, I just can't remember all the uh, acronyms. Yeah, FCS, and <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, um, uh, and we uh, actually we played, um, I don't know if it was Northern Oklahoma, Northern Oklahoma State, Northeastern Oklahoma, but uh, uh, Gastineau played for them. Oh. You know, and so, yeah, that's that's yeah. aging me. That's dating me hey. because that's going way back. Yep. Yeah, Mark Gastineau played for them. Wow. And there was, there was some – um, big guys. We had some guys actually on our team that uh, um, ended up going to the Houston Oilers that yep. that time. Yep. Uh, we had a soccer style kicker. We had uh, a linebacker that was he had been taking something because he was he everybody was, was. Buffed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, even NAI D two um, when uh, Carroll College was on their run, they were not um, they were not testing for anabolic steroids. And as soon as they had to get up with compliance, their run magically ended. And it was just kind of a funny yeah, thing yeah. to see. Because it's, even at the NAI level right now, and I know this to today and even 2012 through 17 when I played, is they're only testing for street drugs. Obviously, it's still uh, frowned upon, but it's, it's they're not, they're not, they're, there's easy loopholes, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's not NATO. It's not one of these big UFC drug testing yeah. people, you know. I so. lived uh, I lived in a house with a bunch of football players. There was five up in the front, and then there was three of us in the back. And one of, one of my roommates uh, found a uh, rural doc that for 25 bucks he'd give you your first round of uh, anabolic steroids. Wow. And uh, this guy came back and miscalculated the amount of protein he needed to take every day. So we had we had tuna fish cans everywhere in <laughs> oh. our place, man. And he he it was it was ugly. Yeah, he ended up looking like a Christmas tree, man. Yep, yep. So, and you see that a lot unless it's administered very very well. Yep. It's it, it can get fairly ugly. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. You want to mo- can I move that a little sure. bit closer? Sure thing. Yes, sir. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, so how was your time there? Like playing, did you end up playing football there you know, too? What I ended up doing was I, I started as a tight end and right mm. as I went, in fact, the irony of all this, you know, like the way we got started talking was talking about PRP. Yep. And if I think back of the people I've known that got hurt in my own injuries, if I'd have had access to some of these things, that 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 would have been a whole different different game. Yeah. Um, when I went there, I uh, broke an ankle. Um, 
went to a doc and he said that he wanted to operate. My dad said he didn't want that. So of course, you know, I kind of, uh, didn't make my own mind up. You kind of do what your folks want you to do. So, yeah. uh, no sooner I got that cast off that leg. Um, I jumped off the back of a truck and landed on a railroad tie. I was working at a place where my dad, uh, my dad worked, um, doing some odd jobs and I landed, tried to take all my weight off that one leg that I just got the cast off. Bunch of atrophy. And, and yeah. And I broke the other one. Oh no. So yeah, that's, uh, that's how I went to college was, uh, um, fresh off of two broken ankles. I spent my first year red shirted and rehabbed the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, subsequently again, you know, rehab back then was com- it was a completely different animal yep. than it is right now. Yep. Uh, I mean, it, but, but then again, yeah, I mean, that's going back to the late seventies. So we're, I am dating myself. Yeah. We're, we're in a different world right now. Mm-hmm. Especially and, in the uh, uh, medical side of things. Oh my lot. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, but, but college, eh, college hasn't changed. Yes. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, and, um, uh, the, the, uh, competitiveness of that team is quite different. I mean, where, yeah. who they're recruiting now and stuff, it's a different, different, uh, different game. Yeah. And in today's world, there's not as much as a difference. Like you are going to have more consistent high level guys at your big D ones, but look at, uh, a good example of just here is Jay Liggins. Um, he played for DSU, went and played for the Philadelphia Eagles. I got to get him ready for both Philly and the Winnipeg blue bombers. And, cool. uh, it's um, it's right out of high school, whatever your opportunity is, and then from there you can make it whatever you want. Yeah. Um, a lot of places are placing people, and look at just look at the New England Patriots. They love taking these D two small school guys because they know how to work. Yeah. And it's it's a much different world now because you look at uh, NDSU competing. Um, SDSU is coming up very well now. They just beat NDSU yesterday, and. Uh, there's not a big drop off anymore. Right. It's, it's right. cool to see. It's right. very cool to see. Um, I, uh, so did you, did you do medical school at Missouri too? What I ended up doing was I, I, I never claimed residency in the state of Missouri, even though I was out there for about seven and a half years between undergrad and grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still an Ohio resident. So I came back, I got into, uh, I got into Ohio university. I, uh, you know, I applied to both allopathic medicine and osteopathic medicine. Okay. And um, at the time, uh, I, I have to admit, I'm embarrassed to admit, but I didn't know the difference. Yeah. And um, I, 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 in a hurry, uh, found out as much as I could in a hurry right before I applied. But I ended up getting into an osteopathic medical school. Oh. Uh, so I, I ended up, uh, I am a DO. I'm proud of it. Uh, um, I can do anything an MD can do. In fact, we have a lot of training that the chiropractors do a lot of manipulative yeah. training and I do believe in it. I've, I've actually referred a lot of my patients to them because I think that there is a, uh, usefulness in, in a, in a need for it. Yeah. And so. I think it's probably as important or more important to have, that side of things too, um, outside of just traditional Western medicine. Exactly. Uh, and that, that could be one whole conversation in itself. And yeah. it's really cool. Yeah. Cause, uh, I get to see both sides because Western without Western medicine, uh, we would be nowhere near where we're at right now. It yeah. is the most amazing thing with, uh, 
with antibiotics, vaccination, all this different stuff. And then you look at even the OB. That has come miles from where it used to be 10, 20, 30, 50 years ago. And without that, we wouldn't be anywhere where we're at. But then you look at untraditional, uh, what you could call functional medicine, um, regenerative medicine, and having that side, uh, that experience plays a huge role yep. in what you're doing. And it's kind of cool, and we'll get into it here soon, but getting to see and be exposed, not just being exposed, but believing in the science on yep. the other side. And and there there's there's a story to that, and we're going to get to that yeah. part uh, yep. Yep. about um, how, how I gravitated in that direction too. Yep. Uh, so how what, after... Uh, after medical school, yep. obviously residency, yep. all that. Where did you end up doing that at? You no, know, um, I uh, I um, I had gotten married uh, while I was in medical school. I, I married a woman that was in my class. Um, she wanted to uh, go into OB and and deliver babies and be a baby doctor, and um, um, I wanted to do ortho. And the irony is, is I. I didn't want any part of OB and she didn't want any part of ortho. So, uh, the only place we could be together was in a hospital up in, uh, in, uh, Cleveland. All the other places might take one of us, but they wouldn't take the other. So the only Uh way we could be together is to end up in a hospital in Cleveland. Um, um, the irony is, is that hospital was bought by the Cleveland clinic and my son is actually an orthopedic surgery resident there right now. Really? Yeah. You're talking about 30, Uh 30 years later. Wow. Where, where did he do his schooling? Uh, You know, he went to school in Arizona. He's a DO also. Sweet. Uh, yeah. And he, uh, you know, UND, yeah. UND wouldn't even give him a, give him a sniff. Wow. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I, I was disappointed, but. He ended up finding a way. He found a way into his residency. It's uh, very cool. Yeah. How he, much more residency does he uh, have? He's in his third of five, and then he wants to do a fellowship in uh, um, reconstructive medicine, which is like taking taking out um, um, old total hips, total knees, and stuff that have maybe infected or or kind of gone bad, and then they need to be redone. And cool. uh, yeah, it's a uh, uh, it's it's That's pretty fortunate. full circle. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So, but, going um, going from there, um, as we kind of come back full circle to here, yeah. what got Greg to, of all places, Dickinson, North yeah. Dakota, and getting to that point? Yeah, this is a good story. Um, um, at the end of my residency, uh, my wife and I at the time were starting to uh, look for jobs. Where are we going to end up? What are we going to do? Um, I would. Uh, canvas the back of my journals because there was always uh, um, listings for job opportunities. And I remembered one that said uh, North Central Midwest Hospital looking for orthopedic surgeon. And uh, and I'm thinking North Central Midwest. Yeah. Where in the hell is that? <laughs> you know? So anyway, call this number. And the gal was smart. She said, uh, okay, let me let me ask you right off the bat, what are you looking for? And I described Youngstown. Yeah. I described, uh, well, a multi-man group, a 400-bed hospital. Uh, you know, I want to have an opportunity to uh, have um, other colleagues there that I could refer to. And she said, I don't think this is going to be for you. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, what is it? She said, it's a 100-bed hospital. You're going to be on your own. And there's one Dang. other guy in town. 
And so I remember at the time looking at my wife and I said, do you want to go there? I mean, we could at least say we went to North Dakota. Mm-hmm. We came in February and it was probably one of the coldest days they had, oh. yeah, minus something. And um, we weren't dressed for it. And when we were in the airplane, uh, we had delays getting out of Denver. And Always. It, it, was, it was a nightmare. Yeah. And uh, we were looking at each other across the aisle of the plane and couldn't hear a thing. And we were kind of like putting our thumbs down, like, we're not, we're not going here. We're not going here. And when we showed up, uh, the people were so genuine, so kind, so good. Uh, I mean, it was unbelievable. And Mm -hmm. by the time we got home, my parents were watching our children at the time. And they said, uh, well, what'd you think? And I said, I think we're going there. Wow. They said, you're going there? Yeah, they couldn't believe it. And they said, yeah, we are. Yeah, I, I think it p- plays dividends. I came from a place very similar. However, the economy crashed. And when economy crashes in town, cities, states, a lot of drugs set in, a lot of very negative crime starts setting in. Well, th- amazing people. That The reason what it holds you there, like I grew up, I mean, I took this picture five minutes from my house. I mean, I grew up in the mountains. You come here and the people are no different. And I always say it about my gym, my podcast, my investing, all this different stuff. I would be nowhere without the community of Dickinson. Nowhere. And you've been exposed to it much longer than I have. And there's a bunch of successful people that want other people to have success around them. And you you elevate to that level. And even the sub-communities, big thing for me is Dickinson State. That sub community has elevated me, and I hope that I've been able to elevate them a little bit. But yeah. unlike anything other, I, I got I here. Find. I got here in 1995, and uh, and I was a one man gang. Uh, there was another guy in town, and uh, at the time he had an injury, so he was like somewhat partially disabled. He didn't do much surgery, and. Uh, um, so I, I had I had the world by the ass, man. I had uh, nobody wanted to go to him because they were tired of of he sending him off to somebody else. And um, I, you know, there would be times I'd be out to dinner with my family, and they said, "I know you're not on call, but would you come in and see this?" And I'd leave the dinner table at the at the Elks, which was like the place to eat. Yep, yep, and. Um, going that's how i made hey man mm-hmm. okay while you can exactly and it was a different yeah. uh, a different city at that yeah. point too yeah and there was uh, um again i agree 100 uh, percent. it's different now and i don't want to bash bash the town i don't want to bash anybody but oil has changed it yep. um just because of the migration of of uh, uh job opportunities uh, people looking for job opportunities but um it's still it's still a good town. Yeah, there's a lot of goodness here. It's it's grounded. It's the foundation of it is in yeah. that small roots hometown kind yeah. of feel. You still get all these all these families that have been here forever, and like even my wife and her family have got to see it pre oil boom. I got here in twelve, so I was in the height of the oil boom. So that's all I knew it as. Sure, you know. So it was much different. But uh, so we get to Dickinson and. Uh, Things are a little bit different, uh, and we kind of want to transition into how you how you transformed your career over 
experiences over things that you've gone through and how you've got to today, yeah. you know, how things have changed. Well, I mean, just, just the cut, cut right to the chase here. Um, I, I did, I had the world by the ass. I had everything. I had a good family, um, um, good marriage. Um, everything was really good. And I was just at a point in my life where I wasn't taking care of myself. Yeah. Um, I, you know, nothing was going to happen to me. I was invincible. And, uh, um, I, uh, I had very few hobbies. I would fish a little bit. I would hunt a little bit and I bought a motorcycle and, uh, I started going to Sturgis and, uh, um, you know, when I would go down there, I'd, uh, act like a wild man and then I'd come back home and I'd be all grown up again. And, uh, uh, I just kind of lost my way when I was down there this one time and I ended up with a bad motorcycle accident. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, it was obviously, um, a massive, massive impact yeah. in your life. Yeah. Completely changed everything. Um, but they're always even now you can see it today, but there's always something good that can happen out of it. There always, yeah. there always has to be. And, uh, kind of, kind of progress from there. Uh, you know, and, and, and it, it kind of stems back. I was in the hospital for nearly four months. Yeah. Uh, I ended up going down to uh, Englewood, Colorado, which is right outside Denver, and it's a hospital that specializes in spinal cord injuries and, uh, and uh, traumatic brain injuries. And I was one of the best people's there, people there. I, there were some – it was some – some really sad situations where there were guys puffing on a straw to drive their wheelchair and sipping on another straw to suck their coffee out of the glass, you know, and, um, I, I, I didn't have that. So mm -hmm. I, I was blessed by God to have been taught a very important lesson, if you will. Uh, and I know there's a lot of debate about was I taught a lesson or, or not. And that's not the point, but, while I was in the hospital, Western civilized medicine was failing me. It wasn't curing me. It was, I wasn't starting to like get up from this chair and walk again. And so I started to veer a little bit and think, what do, what do, what do other cultures um, believe? What, their, what, what do their medical practices and their cultural practices uh help how do they help them in in medicine in in with curing and so that's where i got very interested in in stepping out of western civilized medicine and i know a lot of people when i talk to them now they might think oh this guy is completely wigged out but you know what uh say what you want i there's a lot of stuff that i truly believe in now mm -hmm. um i have uh um kind of enhance some of the relationships with some of the other providers here in town just because they are doing uh some things that i i endorse mm -hmm. and uh, i mean we'll we'll be able to like travel down this path and get did you have a lot of pushback when you started uh, kind of getting into different types of modalities you know if if anything um I was, I was independently, uh, I was an independent practitioner. I, I was, I wasn't a part of, of, uh, med center one at the time. I wasn't a part of, uh, um, St. Alexius. Uh, and I was like, I was right in the middle of the Hatfield and the McCoys, man. I let them do the fight and they would send everybody to me. Yeah. Yep. Um, um, 
after I got hurt, I realized I, I needed to get back to medicine and I would never be able to do it on my own. So I, um, I needed to send proposals out to, uh, the enterprises and, and I picked Sanford just because they, they're, they're taking on all comers. They're yeah. get out of their way. They're, they're mowing people down. Yep. Um, they were, they were, um, kind enough to take me on. I've been employed with them ever since, uh, April of 13. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, getting back to your, your question, just because I'm part of the enterprise now, I can't do what I want to do. It has to be, if In you will, approved, yeah, kind of approved with them. And, um, um, I, I know we'll bring things up, but sometimes, um, I'm a little handcuffed as to what I can do. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, and I'm just way too old to start my own practice and do my yep. own thing. So I, I wouldn't dare do that. Yeah. Yeah. But you can, uh, you can elicit change in, in outside of anybody else, but, uh, even just my experience, you can elicit a lot of change in, a ton of people yeah. just with what you're doing right now and uh, how when we talk about PRP, um, my backstory, everybody that's listening and watching knows this. Um, I battled with addiction for a long time. Um, I actually went to rehab twice. Uh, the first one really wasn't rehab, but uh, in high school, it started with pain medications. And uh, it just kept on going and going and going. And then I decided my senior year of high school, I was like, I have any scholarship that I want in football and wrestling, anything I could want. And they have no idea that I'm a junkie. And so I decided, I was like, Hey, I got to clean up before I go to college. So 365 days go by and I'm clean. Didn't, didn't fake anything. Didn't do anything. Um, I passed, I had a, so my step, my stepfather was the chief of police. My grandpa was the mayor and my uncle was an officer. So I was fucked everywhere I went. I couldn't get away with anything. And so for 365 days after I got out of football practice, wrestling, whatever, I had a pee cup at my house. So I, I passed that, get to college, and it got completely worse. Well, um, I got out of addiction. Um, I'm now over six years clean off of uh, medication and uh, opiates. And so from there, I realized the... The impact that regenerative medicine, functional medicine, all this stuff can have. And obviously I got into the fitness and strength and conditioning world. But in my, in my experience, opiates weren't going to help anything. Um, a lot of this uh, physical therapy, I've done it all. And I'm not one of those guys that said, oh, I did my physical therapy. Like I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I know what I'm talking about. I have, I, I'll go to sit at the table and go to bat with any physical therapy in town. And so I know what I'm doing with that. And I, I, I had an incident with my knee, got my PRP injection and a complete 180, like complete everything gone. And I knew that there was something to this because I had lineage of patella alta with my father snapping both of his patella tendons. I have my left side repaired. Getting into this, um, it compl- nothing else was working. It, absolutely nothing else was working and to have something a a modality completely switch that was um, mind-blowing for me so even that small change what I'm getting to that you can practice because there's not a lot of people that are using PRP I know Bismarck there's cosmetic use of PRP if I'm uh, thinking right 
but nobody else is really using it. And that small little change um, has a huge ripple, yep. you know. Well, you know, and and not uh, maybe touch on a bad thing, but the irony is, is that, uh, and and yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of now that you broke the boundary, I guess I'm gonna start using some four letter words too. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I but, got them all uh, over. Yeah, but I um uh, I know for a while, actually before I went to work, I started with uh, Sanford in April of 13, and I got hurt in August of 10. So I went about two years and, and I was fucking losing my mind. I was, I was uh, struggling mm-hmm. and I knew that I had to go back to something. I used to sit on the edge of my bed every morning and I used to hold my, hold my hands over my face and say, well, I'm still like I went to bed last night. I'm, I'm no different. I'm no different. And um, ironically, I actually did addiction medicine for about a year and a half with uh, Heart Heartview Foundation down in Bismarck. Oh, okay. Um, I uh, some of some of the best people that I ended up meeting. It was almost like they it was uh, they were like shrinks for me mm. because I, although I never gra- gravitated into drugs and opiates, I I, I stayed away at all costs. Um, um, I I found out that you know we're all people that made a mistake. We made a mistake one day. And, and that's what I did when I got on that motorcycle. Yep. Uh, I didn't belong on one that day and I got on it and I, I made a bad decision and so did everybody else. And one. yeah, one, one bad thing. and, and it can control your life. And so, um, some of the, some of the coolest young people, they were all young, coolest young people that I, I'd known were, people that I was treating and I almost couldn't wait to do it. And I, I know my family used to always say like, I don't know how the hell you can do this, man. How can you do that? And I'm thinking this might be my calling. Yeah. And it's just one decision, as you said though, like it's not, and there is some that they've led a complete terrible life, Yeah, but there's also that one person that decided, um, for me it was, I started dabbling with opiates before my first shoulder surgery, but then I had my shoulder surgery, and this is what I would consider the wild west of the pain medication um, epidemic. Because at that point, and this was early two thousand nine, somewhere around there, early two thousands, um, there wasn't a inter, and you could probably speak to this better now, but there wasn't an inter doctor network. So I had three separate oh, doctors geez. I was going to at that time. Yeah. And so then obviously it's been buckled down on a lot more yeah, than that yeah. now. But um, those, some of the best people that can beat it, yeah. you get so much more on the back end. I, I got flown out to Texas probably two or three weeks before my PRP injection. I gave a speech in Austin, Texas about um, addiction equaling success and how you can use these things you you learn into business, into, and a yeah. few of the points were being authentic um, yeah. and using every single second. Addicts are very good about being present because yeah. they're looking for that feeling right now, you know? Yeah. And so there's a lot of things that taught me a lot, well, man. Well, yeah, and it's almost like I remember, uh, I think when you were talking to Morgan, uh, Morgan, yeah. Um, I, I know you brought up, uh, Jocko Willink and, and I went through, I got a tattoo yeah. with Jocko right here. <laughs> I went, I went through a phase where I used to listen to Joe Dispenza and I used to listen to Jocko Willink and, and I read his book about, um, 
uh, how how you could set yourself free was discipline equals uh, freedom, hum- humility, and taking ownership. Yep. And that's what it's exactly about: is when when you're um, involved in addiction, take ownership for it. Yeah, be humble and um, and and I, I admire I admire you, and I admire a lot of other people for. Uh, for, for achieving the success that you have. Yeah. So that's really cool. Once I, once I got comfortable enough to know that like it was a, it's a completely different life. Like a lot of times people keep on continuing calling themselves addicts. I'm an addict for life and I get the concept behind it, but that's also, um, holding you to these change. And so I yeah. look at it as this completely separate life where I know I would never go back to something like that. There's no way. And it it just, that's how it goes. It's, um, I would never change anything for it. And as you know, you've met some great people doing that. If you can make it on the other side, man, it's, it's eye opening. Yep. And and that was, that was what was cool about it. I watched them change and transform their life. Uh, they were back in relationships again. They were, they had a job, they were paying taxes. They got custody of their kids back. That's huge. And I mean, yeah, it, it was it was really cool, and I I realized that that actually helped me a lot. It helped me psychologically, mm-hmm. and uh, it just happened to buy me some more time. Uh, I ended up actually doing it. I, I was working for Sanford uh, at the same time and did it a little bit longer, and then um, uh, actually it was pre COVID, and they thought that the Feds were going to kind of crack down on internet um, internet um, uh, visits with uh, with drug addiction, and now I mean it's exploded. Exactly. I mean, if telehealth waited, is the yeah, new thing, yeah. If we'd have waited uh, five more months, it would have been like on fire again. Yep. But, but anyway, I, I ended up kind of concentrating a lot more of my efforts in. You know, going back to this homeopathic, naturopathic, uh, what, what do the Chinese cultures do? What do the Hindu Indian cultures do? And yeah, some of it was kind of uh, not for me. Yeah. I, I was going to say kind of nutty, kind of crazy, but I think what's fair to say is not for me. You know, uh, um, herbs, metals, um, uh, things like that. But there were so many other things that I thought captured my attention and, and held it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's kind of where I'm at. And, and that's where I got interested in the PRP. Mm-hmm. Um, as we said, uh, before we started the podcast that I've approached probably 900 injections. Um, um, I, I, I know surgeons feed themselves by doing surgery. So, yeah. They're probably not going to think highly of it because there's no evidence-based uh, studies from Mayo Clinic or Cleveland Clinic that, that that advocate its use. But the thing is, all I have is he said, she said, and I a got lot about, of them though. I got about seventy-five percent of people saying that it did something positive for them, yep. and and um, I know, I know. Uh, insurance thinks it's voodoo, thinks it's witchcraft. They laugh. I think surgeons laugh, but it is something I could still offer somebody. It's something that I, that, that I, I, we do regularly. And yep. I'm always thinking about a way to tweak something and make it a little bit better and possibly work harder. And yeah. There's something so, there. There, yeah. there's really something there. Um, I was looking up statistics, 
uh, because a lot of mine, I had my four shoulder surgeries and they were all um, labrum. Every single one of them obviously had some rotator cuff issues, bicep tendon and all that. But if you look at the success rate of slap tears in the athletic population, on top of that overhead throwing athletic yeah. population, it's not great. The, the, the statistics on uh, superior labral tears is not great, um, especially going back to, because a lot of the studies, and I, I was diving hard into it, a lot of the studies stop at 365 days after procedure. Well, at that point, you're just now getting back into competition. The season has come back through, and now we haven't even seen how long they can sustain that success. And so I... I truly, I truly think there's merit to this other side on PRP and even further down the road with stem cells. You know, um, I, uh, uh, again, my, my brain, like even just listening to you talk, there goes my brain, man, I'm starting to drift and I'm starting to think, and you could see my crazy eyes, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, um, yeah, like, like I could think back, I could think back, um, fixing a rotator cuff. And, and I would open up this wound and I would look at the rotator cuff and, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll just pick an age, a 72 year old, mm-hmm. you know, uh, athletic person, not, not, not overly old by any stretch of the matter. I mean, not too mm-hmm. far away from where I'm at right now, but the thing is I would look down into this hole that I had just created and I thought that rotator cuff looks like a little piece of salami. And I'm going to put this fishing line through it and, and I'm going to sew that hole closed, which looked like you just crawled on your jeans and, yeah. and it, and it was, it was, uh, like, like had little fuzzies on it. And then, yeah, I'm really talking like a doctor now. Right? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, I would just think, what am I about to do? I, I'm, I'm going to sew this piece of, salami up and then i'm going to close it and walk out in the waiting room and say yep uh, everything went well i just sewed up the rotator cuff and and actually there's a lot of there's a lot of uh published articles and of course it's old it's old and and uh maybe i don't have more uh recent things to cite but if they did mris on people before a rotator cuff tear and then a mri after they had it repaired, they think about 50% of people retore their cuff within two years, within two years. And a lot of those people didn't have pain the second time though. And why? Well, why, why, why? And so that's why I asked myself, if I was going to fix a cuff now, I would put a patch on it because uh, I, I don't think the, the, uh, needle and thread in that piece of salami is enough. Mm-hmm. And then I would inject the platelets underneath there because I would try to enhance as much healing and regrowth and collagen formation as I could to strengthen that. And that brings up the great point. It's, it's either repairing a frail damaged tissue or a type of regrowth and a type of rebuilding of that tissue. Exactly. That's exactly. the big thing where we're we're we can we we can deal with more tissue on this end, you know, rather yep. than just sewing something that is already very frail. Yeah. Yep. And you see it a lot in a lot of different populations with uh, and you see it obviously more than I, but 
uh, shoulders, the knees. Mine was the patella tendon, which at the time, um, there wasn't a ton of athletes that come back from either Achilles or patellar tendon. I mean, all your, all your jarring and all your force production has to travel through those two. If it's going through the lower body has to travel through those. And so to have the results I had, obviously there wasn't any, uh, tear on this side yet. Um, but it's, it's showing a lot of promise, man. Well, you know, I know, um, I, and again, maybe, maybe this is a little premature already because here I go. But the thing is there, there's zones of our body that are considered avascular zones. There's one in the Achilles tendon. There's one in the rotator cuff where the, the circulation is very poor. Mm. Um, um, it is, it is the place that has a propensity to tear first and of course you look at the textbooks and in the anatomy books and they're all going to say, well, they're 1.5 centimeters away from the insertion. Well, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to remember all those things. All I know is I know they're there, which means that you're not going to bleed when you tear those things. So they don't have a chance to heal. And mm. it makes me wonder, well, if somebody sews it up, why would it heal then? Um, so that's, that's where my head's at right now is I'm trying to figure out how do we get, how do we get platelets there? I never thought about like that. Yeah. You know, so, uh, it's all about trying to enhance the repair and, and it, and it involves regenerative, regenerative medicine. Yeah. Um, I just had this conversation with one of my athletes and I have it on a daily uh, maybe weekly, but dang near daily basis. And till this day, um, in the athletic training population, um, one of the, uh, it's always the standard as soon as you get an injury and I'll, I'll kind of talk about it, but, uh, doc, Dr. Gabe, uh, Merkin, he was the doctor that created the rice method uh. and rest, ice, compression, elevation. And what it's showing now after, after uh, a sports injury, ankle, knee, something of that nature, 48, you can stretch it to 72, um, but 48 is for icing. And nowadays, it's, in, um, it's happening at the university level, at the pro, pro level. Um, we're having prolonged icing for very acute injuries that are not allowing more blood flow. If it gets us back to healing tissue, we need to increase blood flow and we need to increase platelet counts and we need to increase these things. So after this 48 hour window of what would be considered the acute phase of the injury, after that, we need to stay as far away from ice as we can if we're trying to enhance that tissue. Because what I tell people, I had a whole podcast about it, is inflammation is a healing response. We need it for that short window. We need that to get that rush of new, um, new blood to the, to the area. And, and by that same token, I mean, uh, uh, I, I know, I know you're going to talk about or, or with the intention of the vasoconstriction. So you're vasoconstricting those vessels. You're reducing the amount of blood flow into that area. Um, and, and on top of that, I mean, my big thing is when I see my patients is, and I never was a heat guy. I was never a heat guy. But the thing is, to me, when you ice, 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 ice something that has blood in it, you're going to turn it to jello. You're going to turn. You're going to congeal it. Um, how do you how do you get that out of the area? How do you get that out of the area? 
and and I don't know, maybe maybe I'm kind of contradicting myself because we've talked about like injecting the platelets there and wanting them to congeal, but but that's I, a higher concentration, like we talk about. True, you know, and and, it, and again, do you? I don't know. Are the platelets even there anymore? Are they? Uh, so, uh, you know, and I and I've always found that um, blood in muscles is almost like a toxin. It almost paralyzes the muscles. Mm. You don't want like when we're closing up a wound after an operation, we want that thing as dry as we can get it. Mm. We don't want we don't want any like oozing, any leakage because, like, and I always use the word: you get donkey kicked in your thigh, and somebody somebody's. MMA in you, and then all of a sudden they kick in your thigh. Yep. You won't be able to straighten your knee probably for two weeks because of the bruising in yep. that large quad muscle. Yeah. Um, um, maybe we get heat to it. Maybe we keep it liquefied. Maybe we get your body to absorb it faster. Yep. That's uh, that. That's what I've uh, been reading a lot more too. After and it's it's good right off the bat because your ice is still going to help with pain management. Um, but the big thing, like, doc, he's finally come out and said this, uh, Dr. Gabe Merkin, he said, I was wrong. And he's like, this was what the research showed me when I did this originally. And uh, it came from actually an amputation, um, uh, an emergency surgery he had to do, that uh, they he told the people to keep it on ice and to keep it preserved, and then he iced it when they got there. So, like, that was his whole philosophy well, then this should work for acute injuries as well. But now we've seen that a lot of times heat and movement, pain-free movement is the big thing, is what, what we look for when we have those acute injuries. Obviously, it's a little bit different with um, surgeries and stuff, but you, you also, once pain can subside, is much pain-free range of motion is kind of what we're looking yep, for. Yep. You know, so It makes sense. And that gets us kind of right into the PRP. And uh, for the people that didn't listen to last week's, um, give them the, the the nitty-gritty, the molecular level uh, of uh, PRP. Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. Am I going to be... Am I going to be able to pull all this stuff out? Because <laughs> I always tease and say, you know, I'm, I'm just a hick from North Dakota, man. I don't know a whole lot. But I just, <laughs> I'm just a curious George, man. Yeah. Um, Platelet-rich plasma is... Uh, uh, PRP and, uh, um, the whole concept of it is that, um, uh, it's the first thing at the site of an injury. You break something, you tear something, you're normally going to bleed. Uh, typically you don't bleed to death because, uh, unless you've fractured multiple long bones or had a horrendous, uh, pelvic, uh, pelvic injury, uh, you're going to stop your bleeding because the platelets are going to be available. Uh, they're going to be the first thing at the site of an injury, so they will augment our own stem cells and other biologic factors to start a healing cascade. And many think that it involves inflammation, but I'm still I still struggle with this. Mm-hmm. I can't dispute the experts. I just spoke with a, a, a doctor, a PhD, the other day from Harvard. And we had an interesting conversation, but the thing is, they're convinced that it, 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 that it does its work via an inflammatory response that will, uh, that will continue through a cascade of healing and hopefully not get shut down. 
Mm. Hopefully not get disrupted by something else going on in our life. Yeah. So. It's uh, from just the random research I was doing you, you with you uh, spinning the, the plasma. So it's for people that have never done it, you're taking 15 cc. How many cc's of blood usually? Uh, 15 cc's. Yeah. 15? The kit we use is set up so that we, we, uh, we uh, take 15 cc's of, uh, of uh, venous blood. Uh, spin it down, and I believe the centrifuge is set at 5,000 RPMs, and we spin it for five minutes, seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I apologize that, that I don't even know for certain, other than I, I get so much help doing this that I'm yeah. kind of taking things for granted anymore. But um, uh, if, we, if we can max out uh, the kit we're using – as like a syringe in a syringe. And so after it's spun down, you will then aspirate or withdraw whatever plasma is there. The maximum we can get is six, six cc's out of that 15. Mm. So um, if we're giving six cc's of plasma back into the respective area, that that's the maximum we're going to be able to give. Yeah. And, from what I was looking at, uh, depending on uh, a few different factors, how long it's spun down, the time from when it's spun to put back into the person, but you can get anywhere from two to eight times the uh, the platelet counts in that solution when you're putting it back in. Now, let me ask you, you're the one that did the research. Did you find out that vigorous exercise before having your blood withdrawn yeah. Yeah, uh, will say increase that. increase uh, uh, platelet uh, dissemination in your bloodstream. Yep, okay. they they also said that uh, they, I think they how they put it uh, was it ten to fifteen or fifteen to twenty of vigorous exercise prior yeah. to pretty much how we talked about it. Get a sweat. Um, yeah. What I did, I had an athlete, and as soon as he finished, I jumped on the assault air bike like the old oh, Schwins, cool. and I crushed myself (laughs) and absolutely crushed myself got it going and for people just very basically we can increase the amount Uh, you look at the blood doping that lance armstrong was doing it's all coming down to platelet count and red blood cell count and you know so if we can increase that and then on top of that um the prp Yep. That's well, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm in a situation and, and again, I'm, I'm not here to bash anybody. I'm very thankful that, that I'm allowed to do this, uh, uh, through Sanford. But the thing is, um, we're not doing any, uh, like say for instance, we're not doing MRIs before we inject a rotator cuff with PRP and then doing one afterwards. We're not doing, uh, uh, platelet count before uh, um, you exercise and a platelet count after mm. you exercise because I, I just don't have the luxury to be doing that. I'm not doing any studies. I'm not doing, um, I'm not involved in writing papers. It's just. And the time it takes to. Correct. So, but, but, but it's, it is, it's all about what we've read about what we believe it's what we're buying into and, uh, yeah, even we have these little restorator wheels. We get these little old bubbas that come in and, yeah. um, 84 year old and we'll let them, you know, they're not going to break a sweat. They're not going to get their nope. heart rate racing, but movement, movement of their arms and their legs before the, the blood draw might liberate more, more platelets, yeah. at least uh, I, I think it might. Yeah, definitely. The same place where I got, uh, 
the concentration of platelets. Uh, they also talked about, and there's no published uh, articles, journals out yet, but they were talking about, and forgive me for my arrogance for not getting it exactly right, but they were talking about they have not shown in arthritic populations that the PRP can actually lay down new tissue, but they're showing um, no worsening of arthritic symptoms afterwards. And I, I can probably, I'll send you this study yeah, they were yeah. showing. But again, that's that that's a huge niche population in itself, arthritic symptomatic people. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they are showing not brand new tissue because they yeah. were doing MRIs before and after. And so yeah. that's an interesting concept too. Um, and then as much as you can or want to talk about it too is as we progress from PRP, into stem cells. And I tried to give people a very basic entry level from a non PhD for myself. And uh, a lot of times people associate the word stem cell with um, babies. And you know what I'm saying? Even my wife, I was telling her about it and talking to her about it. And she's like, and I was like, no, if, if you, a lot of times they're using bone marrow, stuff like that from the actual person. Yep. So, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll open up, I'll, I'll open up, um, I like it. my life a little bit, you know, um, I just ordered stem cells from Florida. Um, my, my point is, and I don't know if I've ever shared it with you is I will do anything I have to, to feel better tomorrow than I feel today. And it doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to smoke a bunch of dope and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pop a bunch of, pop a bunch of opiates and so forth so I could feel better. I will try anything that might stimulate my body to help heal the day-to-day um, uh, injury, the day-to-day soreness, uh, mm-hmm. mild aches, inflammation. I mean, uh, we're, we're learning that uh, um, most everything is based on uh, an, inflama- an inflammatory process. Yep. From so, Alzheimer's uh, all the way down. Exactly, exactly. So... So, um, I, I ended up, uh, through a series of acquaintances, I ended up ordering my stem cells. I actually talked with the PhD that, uh, trained at Harvard that is, uh, uh, the mastermind of this. And basically these, these stem cells, if you will, um, there is a vacuole inside, uh, or, um, um, immature cells, um, they have yet to find their way, which means that they could be steered or coached into anything. Um, these vacuoles are inside the cell and they have found a way to extract the vacuole, which is called an exozyme, Mm -hmm. E-X-O, Z-Y-M-E, exozyme, and they can concentrate them so that the actual workhorse of the stem cells are their product. Mm. And, um, and that, that's what I'm about to take. And um, I'm not injecting it into my knees or my shoulders or anything. I'm just, I found somebody to put it in my vein and Interesting. Uh, I'm going to try it. You cool. Know? Yeah. Um, and you said you had a, a you'll have a series of those 10 or yep, whatever. Yep, and, yep. um, 
again, that gets us back to just trying to be better tomorrow than we were today. Yep. And that's, I think that's awesome. And I, I, I hope over a period of time, um, PRP is the, that entry drug, you know, um, that we can get to insurances that we can uh, re that's a huge hurdle. Yeah, that's a huge yeah, hurdle yeah. in itself that hopefully we can get some of these modalities to flourish in our Western medicine. But there's a lot of strings attached, as you said, you know, yeah, yeah. more introduction of stem cells or even PRP yeah. means less surgeries. Yeah. And there's a lot to it. And, and apparently the, um, the insurances, uh, all want, um, evidence-based, uh, mm. articles out of Mayo, out of Cleveland clinic. And, and, and that's the only way that they're going to justify paying for some of these things. And they're going to wait until there's a gob of them, not just one or two. They're going to wait until there there's a shit pile of them. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, that's a long way off. That's a long mm-hmm. way off. So do what uh, you can for you. Correct. And, and it is, it, it's going to be for, for people that have money yeah. because this is expensive, expensive treatment, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and and it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate because it's kind of like withholding. I, I, I think there's, there's treatments for cancer. That's a whole nother. Yeah. yeah, I think so. And they're withholding it, Yeah, you know, because natural evolution and yeah, this, this is, I mean, like I said, here goes my brain and yeah. we can run into all kinds of discussions, but they, they, they want natural evolution to occur so that, People will die. Yep. They don't want people to live forever. No. And so regenerative medicine isn't going to find their way. Uh, we're not going to cure stuff and heal stuff because they want people to die. They want to suppress anything that goes You're against right. that narrative. You're right. And, and it's, it's, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I, like I said, I'm a simple hick in North Dakota, man. And if I could leave a little bit of my legacy around these parts or at least raise some eyebrows and, and, and gain some interest. Um, I, I think I've done, I think I've done my, my, my work and, yeah. and, and, and this, I thank you is my opportunity to share these things so that, 100%. so that we can, we can get it out there. And I think, uh, you have had outside of just PRP, um, with everything, your ripple effect has been felt in the community. Um, a lot of people have, uh, use your services and done a lot of stuff and that that ripple effect will keep on going and like what we would like to do to accomplish out of this is just maybe raise some eyebrows maybe open a perspective just because uh i mean i even had athletes that were very reluctant because i myself hadn't had it done yet and i wasn't having any issues i had nothing going on well he had a a slap tear in his shoulder and i was just like let's exhaust yeah, everything yeah, first, yeah. you know, cause I know that the success rate's not great. And, um, I wish, I, I really do think that this could have a huge ripple effect that yeah. people can start seeing this other side of regenerative medicine. And then, I mean, even on top of that, how can we, how can we make this better? And we talked about supplementation, collagen, yeah. um, a lot of vitamin C, fish oils. I'm into, uh, PRMs, 
pro-resolving mediators, like some really, really dense stuff that can really help on this end too. No, and and I I guess am I liberty to share other people's names uh, as long as it's not a violation of HIPAA? Yeah, you're you're going. Well, you know, I mean, uh, you and I have uh, mentioned Steve Steve Ersfeld. Yeah. Steve, Steve's uh, uh, doing amazing things. Yeah. Um, He and I have had some discussions about uh, things that stimulate the endocannabinoid system, the ECS. Uh, PEA, uh, palmitoyl ethanolamide. Mm. Um, uh, it, it is uh, kind of like a uh, kind of like a CBD. If 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 that's okay, that's how for the me body to reacts to it. Well, what it does is it binds it binds to the endocannabinoid system receptors, and you know uh, the belief is is the reason CBD is helping is because when when it binds to the receptors, it helps augment the function of other systems like your digestive system, mm. your neurologic system, your musculoskeletal system. So um, maybe people that smoke dope um, do feel less pain and do yeah. heal faster and do. And I'm not, I'm not like just generalizing, but yeah. because they're stimulating their ECS. So, um, Steve and I have had some conversations about um, trying to find ways to reduce inflammation um, um, because that that seems to be the the um, uh, how how should I say the um, influence of all our maladies, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it's every single disease boils down to chronic. Yes, chronic yes, yes. inflammation, every single thing. Yeah. And this is an interesting thing too. And I, I don't, and this is uh, just a, a thought in my head. My brain's kind of like yours. I'm going like this yeah. everywhere. So from what I had heard, um, when pharmaceuticals and specifically opiates, the human body technically does not have an opiate specific receptor. It's the cannabinoid receptor that the opiates actually fit. So our natural, our natural receptors are the cannabinoid receptors that the opiates have been, uh, competing, yes, competing for and, uh, engineered to fit. Interesting. And so our, that's why CBD has done so well for so many people. And that's why, um, marijuana in its, in its, uh, in its whole form has done so much for people, medically yeah and that's an interesting thing and then also there is this is published research that with uh joint injuries and even outside of just joint injuries general orthopedic surgery opiates the the consumption of opiates actually slows healing so that's an that's very interesting that i have found one of the one of the crazy things that I like again here here goes that wigged out doctor <laughs> talking again but um I have a connection that um uh can get THC and and uh CBD for me if I want mm-hmm. um I have asked this individual can you get powdered uh CBD for me and mm. he said I don't know I I might be able to and I thought I wonder if I um, diluted it with uh, bacteriostatic water or normal saline, 
and injected it into somebody's painful knee mm. if I would take wow. their pain away. Instead of like topical. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and because wow. uh, they there are probably, and I know if there's anybody watching this podcast, they said, oh my God, is he, he's whacked. <laughs> we're down. Yeah. We're out but, of there but, now. Yeah, yeah, but, but um, there, there's got to be ECS receptors in our synovium yeah. inside the joint that these might bind to. And so I don't have to give them steroids. I don't have to give them um, um, a bupivacaine or, or Novocaine after a surgery. I could give them CBD, which wow. I don't know is, is it, is it more innocuous? Is it more harmless than some of those others? I, I don't know. Yeah. You, I guess you, you wouldn't know. Um, yeah. that, uh, that's very interesting. I never even thought about that. Um, there's, there's so many different, different things. I, I mean, mine, there was something wrong with my knee, but I used, uh, I was doing laser. I was doing CBD oil or cream, I guess, uh, menthol or whatever you would put on sure. there too. And I wasn't getting any relief at that point, but it, it would make sense to introduce that, um, into the person that it could help. And we've had, know. we've had this discussion. It's all about, um, throwing everything at, at, at you at the, at the right time. It's about, um, um, the, the, the whole, the whole ball of wax, uh, yeah. trying to cut down situational stress, trying to quit smoking, trying to, you know, we can cut down the things we can, but we're not going to be able to stop everything. Not perfect. Correct. Yeah. So one thing I'm really interested in, and as we continue this series and, uh, bringing you on, um, with this podcast, I, I want to see what's the duration of these 10. Oh yeah. What's the duration yeah. with the, there is no recipe. Out? It's just, it's, it's my, it's my doing. So, okay. um, my thought is, is uh, I actually know, I know somebody that, uh, does it every week. Mm. Um, um, I am probably going to see what happens in two weeks and then I'll probably do another one and, uh, Interesting. another couple of weeks. Um, the, the individual that I talked to, Dr. White, um, he told me that he had a shoulder problem and, and apparently either he didn't have a diagnosed or he just, he, he didn't elaborate into it, but he said that he had uh, eight or nine out of 10 pain and he injected himself with neobiosis is the name of this product. Uh, he injected it into himself, IV. And within two weeks, he had two out of ten pain, and he said, "Right now, he doesn't he doesn't have any. It's gone." And I don't know the time lapse between the injection and now, but he's pain free. Um, I didn't ask him, "Did you go see an orthopedic doctor? Did you do any rehab? Did you yeah. like like augment it with anything else other than your product?" But um, when when he told me that, I'm thinking, uh you know, I, I'll still kind of do my thing. Some of my accessory um, things that I do take collagen. I I uh, do take vitamin C. Um, yeah. um, I try to do my own uh, therapy and exercise and so forth. But um, this might be like the workhorse of, of my Definitely. of my thing. So. Yeah, I I I hope that the the freaking best. And I think. Oh my God! Thanks. Yeah, I think. Uh, any again this gets just one percent better 
yeah, yeah. 1% better, man. I think that would be, uh, yeah. be very, very cool. So anything that I missed directly off the bat that you, uh, oh, no, 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 man. They, like I said, they, this was such a, uh, an enjoyable talk and yeah. like my brain is just like flying now. And that's why <laughs> I thought, you know, we, um, maybe we jumped around a lot and, and, and maybe, uh, distracted people like they were maybe getting interested into something for a while. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, but, um, it, it's about, it's a, it just remember, it's about trying to feel better tomorrow than you felt today. And I, I think we could do it without surgeries and without, drugs and without yep. um i think there's a way to do it 100 mm-hmm. percent. i think so. uh i think we definitely can and uh you'll we'll be seeing more of you we'll be having a lot of conversations um going from there i told some people that uh will hopefully be presenting you guys even a better end product getting uh getting more resources on that end so uh well, cool. I'm, thank you yeah i'm excited and uh Thank you for coming on Next Level Radio. Yes, sir. I would love to come back. Oh, you'll you'll get the invite. Thanks, bud. (laughs)